welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I am joined by Poppy Delbridge, TV exec and founder of Rapid Tapping. Hello, welcome to the Divorce Club. Hello there. I'm happy to be here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> are you, why are you unsure? Oh, well, I think this is sort of like, you know, for me, this is just going to be one hell of an interesting therapy session, I think. <laughs> you know. Well, you're very welcome. And you don't have to pay me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, you are divorced. How do you feel when I say that to you? I feel very relieved. I feel all right about it. You know, I was divorced a long time ago. So I started things pretty young. I mean, almost too young, really. How they let me do it, I don't know. But I was 18 when I got married. Wow. I don't know if you know that. Mm. And I was married to my first love. And, and then we split up at 10 years later. So actually, not bad. 10 years running in a marriage. But, but what happened to me was obviously I was then in my late 20s, starting all over again. Uh, also as a mum, quite young mum, working in telly. So that, that's, that was my sort of chapter of life. And I, I sort of see it as chapters. So it makes me feel like, well, I had that chapter in my life and now that chapter is done. And there is a sense of relief with that, but also not any not any horrible animosity, actually, surprisingly. Now, now you say it to me. Hmm. I think that's a good place to be. So getting married so young, um, as you say, 
What do you think your mindset was at that time? Did you have an upbringing that marriage was really important or were you just super in love and you wanted to get married? Well, I was brought up in Cornwall. Um, in Cornwall, certainly in my group of friends, that was sort of what people did. You sort of looked around and you sort of went there, all right, and you sort of married them. Um, but But I suppose for me... It was important. Yeah, it was important. And we actually didn't do the whole like, um, you know, we didn't go. Well, actually, no, I was going to say we didn't do the whole 2.4 children thing, but sort of did actually. So went away to university together. Bought a house. Like peanuts that was repossessed. You know, living in not the best area, but did it up, renovated it throughout uni. Had married life, worked in a cocktail bar, did my degree, had our baby. I like that you talk about things and it's all very straightforward and sort of no, there's no emotion involved. It's like this happened, this happened, this happened. (laughs) Um, But what was it like to go to uni and be married? Because that must have, you must have been a rarity. Oh, yeah. I mean, so weird. I mean, it was, it, it, you know, it was funny because nobody was married obviously and certainly nobody was pregnant not certainly not as big as I got um because I also looked about 10 years old I mean this is the thing I looked really young (laughs) um so it was different it was really different but for me it sort of felt like you know it, it 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 wasn't weird it just happened to be weird in that place that we went to but because all of our friends, you know, it wasn't particularly weird um, where we were from. It just sort of felt that that was normal, you know. Even though as soon as I started working in the real world in London, in television, people were like choking on their food every time I said it. What? You're married? What? what? You've got a kid? What? Like It, it just didn't compute. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there's no denying it was weird. Because I got married just before I was 30. And I remember people reacting to me like, oh, my God, you're so young. To get married. I can't believe you're married. <laughs> like really shocked really? constantly. So I can't imagine being at, at uni and like the reactions from, because some of the people at my uni were very immature. So <laughs> they must have been like, marriage, what's that? <laughs> Um, but what was it, what was it like? Because uni are meant to be well, they're kind of seen as your party days, aren't they? Where you like go out every night and then go hang up, hung over to lectures. But you were married and pregnant, so do you think mm. that affected your university experience? Yes and no. Um, I wasn't going out, you know, pregnant, lay, lashing out on the town, <laughs> but I did. I did. I didn't feel like I missed out. I also found it a bit, found it a bit boring. Found it all a bit boring actually back then. Don't get me wrong. I made up for it. For sure. You know, once I started t- telly stuff, I had a Friday night. I had the Friday night pass, gold dust. You know, where I would definitely go out and get as drunk as I possibly could on a Friday night. <laughs> I'm really sick. And go back home. And actually, because I was so young, I felt fine the next day. But um. I made up for it. But no, in in university, I just didn't, to be honest, no. I don't remember looking back and going, I didn't like this because I quite liked, oh, God, tell you what else I had, a house rabbit. 
kind of bloody house rabbit. Sure. It's so weird, isn't it? Now I look back and think, God, Alfie, the house rabbit. So we had house rabbit. We were doing up a repossessed house. Um, you know, I lived next door to some guy who was basically a stalker. The other guy was a drug addict. It wasn't that fun. But when we got inside our doors, it was lovely. It was nice. It was all right. Sounds like you were dealing with a lot, though, at that time. Oh, God, so much. Yeah, so, so much during that time. Do you think it affected your mental health at that time, dealing with all those things? Or do you think because you were young, you were just like, this is life and I'm just going to get on with it? Mm, I think it definitely did. I think because I moved away from home. I was in an area I didn't know, sort of playing house, really, being pregnant. Um, during that time also, my dad died, who I was really close to. Wow. That was hard, very, very hard. You know, it, it for me, I look back at that and think, God, how did I? Then my grandma died. I was really close to her because my dad was ill when I was growing up, so I lived with her a lot. And all these things like pow, 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 you know, highs and lows, certainly emotional. Um, and I think the thing that I remember was feeling really lonely, actually, in in my marriage. And that was sad because I was so young, I didn't realise I had married someone who didn't show emotion and couldn't really deal with it. But, you know, me, I mean, God, I'm all about emotions. I work with people's emotions now. You know, I'm, I go to emotional places and shift them. And um, that's what I remember now, just dealing with it. You know, it's probably why I do what I do now in the, the, you know, well-being and emotional health. Because I think a lot of people have loneliest times when they're with someone and that is not a good place to be. I was just going to say, I think that's such a relatable scenario. I remember because my dad died um just as we got married so we had a a small ceremony with him there but then the big planned wedding he he wasn't there for and I remember going through the grief of that I and I say now I think it accelerated the divorce pro you know me realizing that I wasn't happy in the marriage but that feeling of being alone in my marriage was strong and I think it's because, yeah, you're going through so much emotion. And if the if you're not sort of quite connected to the other person in the right way and you feel like they're not there for you in the way that you need, it it can really, well, for me, it really created this extra kind of chasm between us. Mm. Um, so, and, and I was, you know, 30s. I can't imagine going through that when you're 18. But you're... So you're you're at university. You've got a house rabbit. <laughs> you're married. Yeah. You're having a baby. All of this grief happens. Yeah. And then you, but you still stay together for ten years. Mm. So what age were you when you separated? So I was, I believe I was twenty nine. 28, 29. Yeah, so really like a decade of your early yeah. life. And do you remember your feeling when you, the feelings when you hit 29 and you were, you know, about to separate from your marriage and you have a son now? Mm. How did that hit you emotionally and physically? Oh my God, just like an absolute ton of bricks. Because. I think this is what I've kind of got from other people that I've worked with who've gone through similar things. 
is that you hold a lot within and you know that that time for me was a complete epiphany like my entire life changed at 28 29 i completely rebuilt myself and the shock of having to pretty much you know if you imagine this is this is my entire identity from the age of 16 being with this person who ended up being a bit of a rot bag actually I was furious because I felt like so long I had dealt with that because I, for me I was married and I had my son and I was sticking with it and there were times when I really didn't want to stick with it but I stuck with it and I think I could see myself at the moment when it all kind of kicked off looking back and going, oh, my God, what were you doing this whole time? And now I sort of think, God, at that point, no, it was awful. I remember it really clearly. And now, and now I go, oh, my God, what an absolute saviour he was to be the one that in the end messed it up because I wasn't happy and I carried on. And so now I've got this real thing for people where I see they're stuck. And, you know, you sometimes need that catastrophe or you need that catalyst to wake yourself up. It's so nice that you talk about it in such a positive way. Now, I think a lot of people listening will be at that really difficult stage. And so it's nice to hear the kind of future and hope that they will also have a similar view of things. Um, do you remember that time just after you'd separated? I talk about kind of low moments on the podcast and I, I always seem to cry on kitchen floors. That's my thing. Um, do you remember like a hardest time in that kind of breakup period? I mean, the hardest time would have been probably more related to my son because my 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 ex all checked out, you know, completely checked out of all kind of responsibility and sort of you know, I had to actually, t I remember we sat down to let, to tell him heartbreaking and I had to do it. I had to do it. And I thought, what a flipping, like, honestly, I'm sitting here doing that bit I should not be doing. And that was really tough. And then other things, you know, I remember God, I remember going out and getting really drunk, you know, all the things that you do when you're just like, whoa, my life. Um, and that was a low moment. I sort of remember, you know, not pleasant things where the, the dawning realisation of what you've put up with for a long time, coupled with them, you know, their animosity. And it's just all a bit like, ugh. But I think there's, there's so many of them at that time when everything disintegrates um, that they kind of roll into one and you just have this sort of numb feeling. I just remember, do you remember that? Like a sort of numb, sort of numbness. It's like, oh my God, is this, is it, I'm happy, this is happening, you know, it's numb, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I remember thinking this constant phrase of, oh my God, this is my life, you know, in that really bad time where you're like, this is actually happening and it feels like it should be happening to someone else and not me. Yeah. Um, but you talk about building your, rebuilding your life and how did you go about doing that? What did you find useful at that time? A couple of things. So first thing is, I actually pretty much went blind 
around the same time, just before, I woke up with this thing with my eyes and they just went bloodshot and then they started to burn. Then my face went all burnt and it was horrific. I mean, it was like Moorfields Hospital, blah, 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 you know, brain scans, what's wrong with her? And it's interesting because I was like, why is this happening? And I remember... Um, I remember thinking, ah, why is this happening? And all I could do was sit in a dark room. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything sit in the dark room and listen to audiobooks. So I started thinking at this point in my life, I'm pretty low. It got lower because I remember he was, he had gone somewhere for work, worked in music and, um, come back and, you know, Bearing in mind, I'd had all these people helping me out. He came back and on the first two nights, he went to band practice. And I was like in shock and thought, this is it. This is, this is done. And then I had a dream that something had happened. And I was correct. I dreamt the whole thing. Like a flipping prophet. Whoa. Yeah, it was a mania time because I was like, this is strange. And then I started to, to read every book under the sun, you know, like you do on uh, self-help, mindset, uh, all of it. But this stuff wasn't new to me because I've been doing it for years, actually. I just, you know, lapsed a bit on certain things. And my my life rebuilt at the moment that I totally took my power again. And I started changing the way I thought completely. So rather than saying, I hate my marriage, I can't stand this, I'm unhappy, rather than thinking those things, rather than dwelling in those things, I made a real decision to go, well, what have I got to lose? I'm going to completely change the way that I structure my mind. And so I started looking in all things, neuroscience, um, holistic health, spiritual, all of it. And um and I was pretty spiritual anyway, actually, at the time. And um, and then I woke You're up. You're a prophet. I'm a prophet. No, don't say that. So you absolute, need to be pretty thing. spiritual. But that was freaking, that was the weirdest thing, that I actually dreamt it and it happened. I mean, that was spooky. But it was, an, it was that also, is spooky. that's done, you know. I was like, oh, that's a sign. Get out of this. So what happened with the blindness? So your starting to go blind you're sitting in dark rooms was that brought on by the stress that you were going through i think it is i think it was because you know we we are part of a mind body you know our our brain this is what i do now but our brain does message and signal to our body um certain things and i decided to visualize do visualizations around me having perfect eyesight again and I did that because my dad, who I mentioned, had cancer most of his life, but um, did similar practices. And so he taught me everything. And he lived with stage four, very, very severe cancer um, against all the odds for, for years and years and years and years and years, very healthily. And so for me, that was in my blood, you know, it was in my framework, how I was brought up. So I was like, right, let's do it. And then, yeah. It was unexplainable, blah, blah, blah. And it went. And so that's how that happened. And then I sort of thought, well, I've got to roll this out across all my life. And then I focused on it. 
and I believe that 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 did um, open up this whole new world for me. So they couldn't explain why you'd gone started to go blind for a bit, and now you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Had all these wow. had all these things, and then had all these different eye experts, and they were like, "Don't know, don't know." MRI scans and whatnot. Yeah, it's it. it, it yeah, I, I mean, I look at it like that's completely normal now. Funny enough. Because I've done it with lots of things in my health and lots of things in my life. I've been diagnosed with loads of different things that have gone. So for me, that's not it. Yeah. But I know when I say that to people, they're like, what? Yeah, because you talk about it so matter of factly. And I'm like, <laughs> hang on. Well, <laughs> you know, you're going through a divorce and then you think you're going to go blind and you're a single parent. What was that time like when you because I know you said that you changed your mindset and you know overcame it in an amazing way but what what was that like when you were sitting in the dark thinking I'm losing my eyesight and I'm a single parent Mm. well you know that that was just before the marriage ended so at that point all I was focusing on was being happy again and the realization that I wasn't and not getting what I needed and not getting my needs met, and not having any emotional support ever. And I just was re- really resolute that all I was going to do was to focus for a while on how I felt about me. And um, I remember not feeling sad or um, anything other than I am focusing on this and I'm completely committed to this. So I remember after that point, honestly, I feel like, yeah, everything changed because it was that kind of all-in commitment. And I think that was another godsend because I had all that time off work to really restructure what I wanted, visualize it, do all my crazy woo-woo things that I do now, tapping, all of it, um, and change. I love that because... I, I weirdly on Boxing Day dislocated my knee, yay, um, by falling down the stairs. Oh. But weirdly, it came at a time when my, because my divorce, I'm I literally only just divorced. Mm. Um, and it's been dragging on for over two years. And at that Christmas, the recent Christmas, it was like all the divorce paperwork and everything and the discussions were really coming to a head and I was finding it really stressful and I was, you know, I've taken over the house now, but it was at that point of like, oh, is it all going to go through? And and I feel like half of me, you know, dislocating my knee was my body saying, we have to just stop for a second and look after ourselves and and actually when it happened it was like an extra low because I was like I'm divorced and alone and I'm dislocated my knee so I can't even walk and we're in lockdown but it actually forced me to kind of deal with some of my emotions and just take a break and think about me Mm. and so I do think it's really interested those interesting those health things linked to trauma oh yeah that force you to take a breath yeah it absolutely you know that's your I I see them as clues you know when something needs to be cleared emotionally I see the body as a clue 
or manifestation of that trapped emotion within the energy body and within certain triggers within the brain, the amygdala that holds the stress and the, and the fight or flight response. And so if you, if we can see, um, which for many years I didn't, if you can see that, that that is just a kind way in a way for you to, um, look at that emotion and then shift that emotion then that's great but i i would say that most of us are taught probably just by medicine that you know it's completely unrelated so i think if anyone's feeling the, the physical manifestations of something don't be afraid of that it's 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 almost like you're wise unconscious going right let's deal with this shall we let's deal with this so you got through the blindness the breakup yeah. You're now a single mum mm. in your late 20s going into the world of dating and all of that. How did you approach all of that? Were you dating and looking for love or were you just putting that to one side? It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I had not, I'll be very honest with you, I've been with this guy since I was 16. And now, Fast forward all those years, I'm suddenly like, whoa, somebody else's penis. <laughs> yeah, I remember right? that. <laughs> I was like, what on earth? <laughs> um, right? Because I was like, okay. And I and I I feel at the time, I think I was just like, I think I was, I think I was excited. I was just trying to think, I think I was excited about the prospect of it. But at the same time, I wasn't like going, I didn't go on dating apps or anything like that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I wasn't like, I wasn't the typical person who went out and got, you know, right. I'll have you, 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 you. I wasn't, I, don't, I wasn't that actually. Well, I was that. Yeah. But yeah, you were. So you can, you can, <laughs> you can make up for it for me. <laughs> yeah. I had a complete sexual explosion, I always call it, where I just got very excited about the prospect of having sex with new people and that they like fancied me, wanted to have sex with me. And it was all this like, <laughs> joyful orgasm world um but yeah do you remember that sex for the first time because I remember worrying that I'd cry during the first sex (laughs) cry that's hilarious did you cry no so I like but I like scheduled I remember like I set it up with someone that I felt like comfortable with so I sort of knew them a bit just in case I would cry Um, did you yeah but so it what, wasn't like what? a stranger. Oh, right. God, isn't that more awkward? Well, no, because they'd fancied me for ages. So it was okay. more like this is in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and if I, if I cry, that is fine. Um, but do you remember your approach to that first sexual experience? Were you like excited or scared or all of those things? Oh, my God. I I just I remember an awakening of dressing a little bit like a prostitute for a while. Definitely did that. Um, well, is it like a prostitute or is it just loving your body and showing it off? No, oh, no, I definitely dress like a prostitute. Um, but I do anyway. Actually, thinking about it, I've got like this tendency to just be a little bit more like I wear what I want. I've always been like that. I've always worn inappropriate clothing to different. It's different events. Even at work, I would be like wearing a long dress, like a gown during like a show. People were like, Poppy, what are you doing? I'd be like, this is what I'm wearing. So that was part of my identity. I love clothes. But I do remember wearing things that were maybe a little bit more hay. And I think it was because I was like, yeah, fuck it, my body. I was like, I remember at the time going, yeah, you know, me 28, you know, things are all right. Got a good job got like good friends you know I'm all right there was a moment in it probably everyone has this when you when you do when you do split up with someone I mean god bear in mind mine's been 12 years you feel like you're just entering this kind of you know just out of the womb phase where everything feels a bit like amplified so all the emotions are heavy or massively brilliant 
you know, everything's amplified. I do remember that. Yeah, I definitely remember that. And I remember, yeah, I've I, getting my body out again as a thing. Yeah. Like, I totally agree. I mean, I've always worn in a, well, some people would call them inappropriate. I just call them clothes. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I remember I wore a really low cut top to a book, to a meeting about a children's book. And someone made nice. it, someone made a comment. I was like, "Well, children's authors have tits too." Um, yeah, children I, need tits. Yeah, you could argue, yeah, yeah. exactly, keeps them alive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely remember like my foray into fashion sort of changed a bit. Like instead of, I think I got quite like wifey in adverted commas in my mm. fashion when I was married because I was imagining this type okay. of woman I had to be and like what mm. that woman would wear and mm. then when I got divorced I kind of went back to me but on the way I sort of yeah wore some uh s- s- skimpy tight things or like more I guess younger again in inverted commas yeah things I gave gave them a go and then found out what worked for me um and I love my boobs I found out so everything will show them off yeah so I love that you think you always dress inappropriately right now you look lovely wearing a wrap dress it looks very nice um (laughs) Do you think that was something that you did in your marriage as well? Or was it a kind of an awakening after the divorce? Oh, no. Do you know what? I'd always done it. I'd always done it. So that was no different, I think. Definitely wasn't a kind of reaction. I had always done it. I mean, anyone would tell you um, that I would dress it appropriately throughout my life. I think cause my par- my parents did. It's sort of in Cornwall, but they were the first two that had like shell suits fluorescent shell suits walking down the street it was like oh my god so like my mum would make clothes dress me like as a boy or like a crazy little gown that I'd wear so I always enjoyed clothes you know so that that wasn't that wasn't to do with the old the old d word divorce or dick or both well both <laughs> <laughs> yeah interchangeable i'm just imagining you as like a really cold teenager in cornwall wearing like short skirts and t-shirts oh that was me i actually wore suspenders to my i remember once i was wearing short skirt knee-high boots suspenders because i like them sort of jacket thing tailored jacket and i was off to college you know i was off to college my grammar school i drive in and you know other people were just wearing jeans and like hoodies you know, chill out poppy but I remember me and some of my friends were like, this is the way we dress. You know, I was dressing in vintage clothes back then. I was totally inappropriate. It's quite interesting to look back at that now with you and go, yeah, I've always been a bit like that. I love that. So after your divorce, what do you think? So you're, you know, finding yourself having some nice love trysts. What do you think you found really helpful at that time? Was there anything that you know, your family or friends did around you or that you did? I'm just thinking if someone's listening and then they're in that moment, what helped you? I'd say, you know, a real tangible tool and a tip for me was tapping, which my mum got me into then. It really helped me. I thought it was stupid at the time. I remember thinking, gosh, I'm going to tap on my head and say how I feel. Um, But it worked. And so I think... Well, that's why I set up rapid tapping, you know, because I know it works. So I think I think when you're going through something as painful as something like divorce or 
you know, a breakup which affects so many layers of, of, of your identity and your emotional state. You, it, yes, you need the support from your friends. Yes, you need the things that make you feel good. Yes, you need the baths and the self-care and all of that. But I think, I think the thing that made me most um, that 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 allowed me to rebuild were tools. You know that now I obviously teach. So tapping for me was massive. You know, and and mindset work was massive. Doing that inner work was big and and more more beneficial to me than talk talking. So talking was great. Gave me some awareness. It helped me. But I wanted the stuff. Oh, I wanted to rewire. And can you explain what tapping is? Because I've done one of your, I did one of your sessions and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And that's how I found you. But can you, for anyone who's like, what the hell is that? Can you explain simply what (laughs) tapping is? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it's like a mix of modern psychology with more kind of Eastern roots in something, for example, like acupressure, acupuncture. There's no needles. And through our body, a sort of meridian lines you may have heard of, people may have heard of, we're so much more than just the flesh and blood. And what you do is you tap on these points, which are mainly in your face. And as you tap, you trigger a response, which is a a conditioned response, a pattern that comes from your brain part of your brain called the amygdala also work with another part of the brain called the hippocampus which stores memories um, and the amygdala is the response the stress response to an emotion so what tapping does is it essentially interrupts that and allows you to neutralize and and, and harmonize with with your entire nervous system which then allows you to look back at things with a sense of freedom so they call it emotional freedom technique which i'm a practitioner in and now i've developed rapid tapping slightly different about manifesting things and and it's and it's just a way of of um of rewiring things that you might find unhelpful in responses that have been stored yeah so you physically tap yourself don't you like with the tips of your fingers yes yes I'm doing it now tap 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 (laughs) so um I think it's really interesting that you you've been through quite a lot of trauma in your life like you know we've both had the death of our dads but you also had the blindness and the divorce and and now you're helping other people deal with their trauma do you think how do you think that works in your kind of mindset? Is that a way? What do you feel about helping people? It's really everything to me to help people to wake up to how amazing they are and can be and the possibilities that exist for them on the other side of the fear and the trauma. And trauma doesn't have to be anything massive either trauma is someone saying something to you that's stuck and because I can help people to not feel so emotionally raw and to release them of the gremlins and the voices there's nothing else I can do because once you've done that once you've seen someone's life change because of it something that you can help with 
everything else just just was just surface to me. And I realized that I had stepped into my purpose and was living the vision I wanted to live. And so there's, there, it's everything to me now. Um, you know, and it's not just trauma I work with, but I'd say my main thing is helping people to, to, to really manifest, to create a life that they love, whatever that is for them and whatever that means to them to remove things that are stopping them from doing that. And do you think you've created a life that you love? Yeah. I love my life. I feel content. I love pretty much I've cultivated that feeling of contentment quite quite deliberately. And, you know, I would say to someone, always take heart that there will be that moment where you experience it, experience flashes of true convergence and and joy and after a while your brain is very able to create new neural pathways all the time neuroplasticity is a thing we can rebuild things and then there will be a point at which you look around and you go even if I feel crappy today even if something's happened to me even if an external circumstance has gone on I'm okay and that doesn't affect me and I can unconditionally love myself no matter what. And I, and I want people to know that that is not a pipe dream because I certainly didn't years ago. That's amazing. I want that. Um, do you now you're, you know, 12 years on, you say you're content with your life. How do you view divorce now? And would you ever get married again? I haven't got married again. But I would get married again. Wouldn't rule it out. Um, but I am only looking for a soul, spiritual, uh, absolutely knocked out experience, and that would be the only thing that would make me do that. If I knew and really knew there was no element of any doubt that this was the joining of two whole people who add value to each other and are not trying to form some, you know, uh, codependent form where you're sort of leaning into each other's hurt. So I think I'm pretty, pretty serious about that. And, and and actually something I've only just started to go, actually, I if, if, if we start to think of ourselves like the, the queens that we are, you know, it sounds a bit trite and naff, <laughs> the queens that we are, but it's true, then you've got to be also available uh, only for a king, right? Or whoever you like, you know, queen and a queen, king and a king, whatever. But you've got to, you've got to make sure that that person is going to raise you up and so that to me is now what marriage is I love that and do you think you would approach apart from finding that person do you think you would approach the process of marriage differently now that you've been divorced like would you do a prenup or arrange your assets or any of that yeah good question I think yeah I probably would 
I think I probably would. Yeah, I think I'd approach it differently. I think I'd approach it differently in so many ways. God, and I'm just a different person. Just so different, you know. God, that was like 20 years ago I got married. So, yeah, I don't know. Would you get married again? Yeah, I would. I love, I want several more wedding days, whether it's with the same person or not. I think (laughs) I love the party and the feeling of being married. But, yeah, I think I would approach, obviously with the right person, but I think I would... um, approach it differently with the kind of now knowing how you come out of a marriage yeah and all that paperwork and all that I would I'd maybe set some things you know be more practical about it and set some things in place before um which sounds sort of cynical way to go into a marriage but actually I think it will make life so much easier in the end it's like I was going to compare it to dying, actually, but I do think that's not a good comparison. But, you know, like, I think if you're if you're if you prepare how you want, you know, your funeral to be and whether you want to be cremated or, you know, buried or or what sort of, you know, celebration you want, then it's easier for the for your family or friends when you when they get there to do it for you. So beauty that's what I want magic. to do with divorce. The beauty and magic <laughs> of your next marriage. Woo. It's like a funeral. Yeah. Um, lucky them. <laughs> um, uh, so just to uh, sort of round off, I wondered if you'd do a little tapping with mm. me that yes. might help maybe people going through a divorce. Let's do it, love. Yeah, maybe we could pick an emotion that... Um, people might be feeling Mm. during this divorce time so maybe maybe that idea that everything's awful and you're not going to be okay yeah yeah let's do it we'll start by so you see basically I'll try and explain this without seeing me but if you go to your collarbones and cross your hands over them yeah and then you go down a little bit you'll feel like this kind of sore spot it's called the sore spot can you feel it yeah yeah it's a bit sore yeah so that's good so we want to we want to massage there and then we want to say how we're feeling so we'll say I feel so I'll say I feel and then if you fill in the blanks yeah and then for those listening you can fill in your own blanks just tell me how you feel when you think about you know the rough rough stuff um I feel I feel sad Mm, I feel sad because because sometimes everything feels overwhelming and like it's piling up on top of me and when you think about that and you think about let's say this kind of scale of emotion where plus 10 is absolute joy and bliss right now and minus 10 is absolute despair where would you be at on that frequency scale minus four okay yeah so minus four so then we're going so to we're say still massaging we're still massaging joining in keep massaging get your score and then we'll just go through that again so i feel sad i feel sad because because everything is piling on top of me but i choose to love and accept myself anyway but i choose to love and accept myself anyway still massaging yeah still massaging say it again i feel i feel sad because 
everything's piling on top of me. But I choose to love and accept myself anyway. I choose to love and accept myself anyway. Good. And then we're going to tap in between the eyebrow points. So it's between eyebrows on the bony bits. And just say, I feel sad. I feel sad. And then we're going to tap with both hands either side, like on the temple side of eyes. Yeah. Because everything's piling on top of me. Because everything's piling on top of me. Underneath the eyes, tapping. And I'm feeling a little bit. And I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, yeah. So under the nose, tapping. I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. Tapping on the chin. Feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. Tapping on the collarbone. Yeah, just underneath the collarbone. But I choose to accept myself for this feeling. But I choose to accept myself for this feeling. I'm just a human being. I'm just a human being. With loads of emotions. With loads of emotions. And that's okay. And that's okay. Top of the head. I'm just a human being. Like in a circle. Top of the head, round in a circle. I'm just a human being. I'm just a human being. Tapping back on the in-between the eyebrow points. And I choose to accept myself. And I choose to accept myself. So we'll take a breath here. So take a deep breath in through your nose. Just exhale through your mouth. Side of the eye. I choose to accept myself. I choose to accept myself. Underneath the eye, even though I don't always. Even though I don't always. Underneath the nose. I know in the end I'll be okay. I know in the end I'll be okay. On the chin. I've done hard things before. I've done hard things before. Tapping on the collarbone. And I think I'll survive. And I think I'll survive. So then just taking this time now, how are you feeling now? Just let me know. Better. Smilier. Yeah. So if that was an emotion, what would that be? It's not quite happy, but it's like content. Yeah. Good. So then we want to seal that in. I call it sealing it in because this is a true emotion. This is a true affirmation you're creating now. So go back to... Eyebrow points in between your eyebrows. I feel content. I feel content. Side of the eye, I feel content. I feel content. Under the eye, I feel content. I feel content. Under the nose, I'm content. I'm content. Chin, I'm content. I am content. And collarbones, I am content. I am content. Good. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Now through your mouth. Put your hand one on top of the other over your heart and just say to yourself, I feel content. I feel content. Smile. And then notice where you're at on that frequency scale again. Has it gone up? Have you raised your frequency? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm like plus five now. Amazing. Amazing. So that's rapid tapping. That's great. That's really set me up for the day. I genuinely feel better. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on the yeah. podcast. Um, it might not work for everyone, but it seems to really work for me of like getting out of my head and just being more present. So where can people find you if they want to find out more about rapid tapping? Yeah. So you want to head over to rapidtapping.com for all things rapid tapping. Uh, if you want to get tapping with me, it's a little kit. You can do with videos and tutorials, you know, scripts and how to do it. And then if you want to do anything else with me, poppydalebridge.com. And you're on Instagram, Instagram as well, mm -hmm. on, on Rapid Tapping. Yeah, and Instagram. Well. Yeah, just my name, Poppy Delbridge and Rapid Tapping on Instagram. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and also giving me some rapid tapping. I feel great. Yay. Great. I'm really glad. No, it was gorgeous, actually. It's so lovely to come and chat. And I think this is such an important thing that you're doing as well, because we've got to, we, we've all got to support each other in this stuff, right? And we've got to be honest, we've got to be open, um, take the masks off. There's no time for them anymore when it comes to inner work. You know, we've got enough masks going on without masking our feelings. So I'm glad you do the podcast. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.